0: Don't make me do the crashy sound, though, unless it's just at the right point. (laughs) All right. Acts chapter 10. So this is about an Italian guy named Cornelius. Yeah, it doesn't. Antonio Cornelius. I don't know his first name, and maybe Cornelius was his first name. Uh, But uh, so it it does mention that he was part of the Italian regiment, stationed in Caesarea, a few miles from Joppa, where we left Peter last week. Peter, was uh, also known as Simon Peter, was hanging out with a man named Simon, living with him. place to stay. He had just just, uh, been visiting there, healed one guy that was crippled, raised another gal from the dead, and was staying. Simon was with Simon there. And uh, what's interesting is Simon, and I don't want to get off on this, Simon was a tanner. You know, tanner, now this was long before tanning beds, so it's not that kind of tanning. Simon that he was staying with was a tanner in the sense that he uh, took the hides from animals and then made whatever you make rugs. Or I doubt they hung them on the wall. I think they were more useful. But a good Jew like Peter should not be in the same house where there is dead animal parts. And yet God was already walking him into. And it, it, I mention it because it's a preface remark. God was already. God says to Peter, "You're to stay here at Simon the Tanner's house." And I'm sure it ran through Peter's mind. <gasps> there's dead animal parts there, and I'm a good Jew, and I'm not supposed to be in the same house. Well, I won't go in the room where the dead animal... may. But he had to think it through. He had to think, okay, God's asking me to stay here, and it's a little bit different than what I've been taught. I'm not supposed to hang out with people that have a house that have dead animal parts in there, but nevertheless, I'll stay where he tells me to stay. So God is beginning to warm Peter up to the idea that God may be stretching Peter to do stuff that he's not used to doing. This guy, this Italian guy, Cornelius, I want to tell you a little bit about him. So he was over a regiment, and that's at least 100 soldiers were under him. Might have been two or 400. So I mean, he's like a major or a light colonel would be in our military now. Uh, he's got a whole bunch of people working for him. He's not just a, a, a little two striper. He's an important guy, got an important job. And he's stationed there in Caesarea. And uh, got a lot of people working for him. He's Italian. And one day, um, oh, by the way, not only was he just there, but he was a Gentile. Remember, the whole world can be divided into two kinds of people the Jews and then everybody else. We call everybody else, and most of us are part of everybody else, are the Gentiles. Okay? So the Jews and the Gentiles. All right. So he was a Gentile. From Italy, spaghetti, yeah, Cornelius. And, oh, but, but just because he was um, a Gentile didn't mean that he didn't care a lot about the things of God. He did. And to the best of his ability, he demonstrated that passion for God. Now, he didn't have the system that the Jews had, the priests, the sacrifices, the daily, daily prayers, and all that stuff. But he did the best he could. He prayed to God. He was humble before God. He took, uh, out of every time he got a paycheck, he would carry some of his money, uh, divide it up. And I don't know if he knew about the principle of the tithe. We're not told. All we knew is that he took some of his money and he made sure he gave it back towards the purposes of God. That's called almsgiving, like palm without the P. Almsgiving. So he was a serious uh, uh, giver uh, to, the, to the affairs of God. And God noticed um, Cornelius uh, there, a Gentile, military guy in charge of all those people, but yet living for God and fearing God. God noticed him. And uh, so uh, God said to Cornelius one day, I want you to uh, send for this man named Peter. He's down the road about 10 miles in Joppa. And I want you to bring him back here. So Cornelius got two of his, he was rich. He got two of his servants that lived in his house. He had good paycheck because he was high up in the military. Two servants, and then he grabbed a soldier. He said, go down to this guy's house and get uh, Peter and carry him back to the house here with me. That's down in like verses 7 and 8 there. So Peter knew nothing of Cornelius. Peter's fat, dumb, and happy at Simon the Tanner's house. He's down in Joppa at Simon the Tanner's house just having himself a time. And he's up on the roof, and it's lunchtime, and he's praying to God. Oh, God, it's lunchtime, and I'm praying to you about all the things that are important. And I don't know what they are, so I'm just saying he's praying like this. And all of a sudden, a vision comes to Peter. He's on the roof, and a vision comes. And the vision is this. A big sheet with a four corners stretched out gets lowered down near to where Peter is, and he can see, and he looks, and on the sheet or in the sheet, there's a... a, animals of every kind. So not only the clean animals, the animals that Jews are allowed to eat, uh, you know, like cows and lambs and stuff like that, but there's also uh, pigs and other kinds of animals that they're not supposed to even get near, much less eat. And so uh, Peter notices in his vision this sheet that's come down to him and he's probably thinking, wow, this is a Weird vision, all these animals on this big sheet that's been lowered towards me. And then, to make matters more interesting, a voice booms out in the vision. And the voice says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, no, my Lord. I would never kill and eat because there's unclean animals there. And ever since I was a little kid, I never would eat a pork chop. Never would eat bacon. Never would eat any of these unclean animals. And I think three times it happened, and Peter three times said no. And, and finally the Lord said, look, Peter, what I'm, uh, what, what I'm calling clean, you should not call unclean. I'm down around verse 15. So while Peter's thinking about this vision, he's sort of trying to process through this vision of the sheep, the animals, don't call it unclean if I call it clean, um, the door gets knocked on. And who do you think it is? Right It's Cornelius's entourage. It's his two servants and the soldier. Knock, knock, knock. We're looking for a guy named Peter. Um, and so uh, they come in the house. they say, "You need to come and visit us. Down at verse 23, he did go to visit them. So we move along in the chapter. They get to Cornelius's house, and Cornelius tells Peter of his vision, that how the Lord said to send for you, Peter, down in about verse 30. And then I'm going to look at verses 34 and 35 and we're going to read those verses. I don't know if you can put them up there. Oh, and today, just to keep it spicy, I'm in the uh, New King James. Don't know if you have it, Dave, but if you don't have it, then the King James will be just fine if you know how to mash that button. So verses 34 and 35. So he's been invited into Cornelius' house. Cornelius has told him about the uh, vision that he had to send for him. And then, verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive... Now, let me hit the pause button there. That's fine. Yeah, that's good, too. In truth, I perceive... Hit hit the pause button there. Peter didn't get it two weeks ago. This is a radical change in Peter's mindset. When he said... I perceive, that's code talk for, oh, now I get it. Okay, so if we just read, behold, now I perceive, you know, we might not really understand that it means. This is big for Peter. This is a discovery for Peter. All these things that have happened. Oh, God, now I get it. You had me stay with a guy that's got damn animals in his house. That kind of warmed me up a little bit. And then when I'm praying at lunchtime, you have the sheet come down and you tell me that if God tells me to do it, it's okay to do it even though I've never done it before in my old system. I would never do it. He says in the Bible, ever since a kid, I would never do that. I can't kill and eat. Oh, you shall kill and eat for what I call, verse 15, if I say you do it, you do it, I call it clean, it's clean, just obey me. And now in this verse, Peter gets into Cornelius' house. Cornelius tells him that I had a vision I should send for you. You should come into my house, a Gentile house. They were so sticky about this. I want to spend just a minute here. The Jewish tradition was so sticky about this. You're going to kind of think that the Jews were jerks. Don't go that far with it, but it's going to cross your mind. They were so sticky about it that if you were a Gentile, like let's let's say Ray lives down there at the top of the hill. That if you ran out of gas and you were a Jew, you would not go knock at Ray's house because you were not to go to a non-Jewish house. The Jew was so sticky about it; they wouldn't even. This is why when Peter, uh, excuse me, Jesus was up in the land of Samaria, and the Samaritans were half Jews, half Jews. They were mostly Jewish, partly Jewish, some Jewish. Jesus had struck up a conversation with a lady, and she said. How is it that you, being a Jew, would even talk to me? Because the Jews didn't mingle with the other folk. This is why Peter said, I get it. I'm staying with a guy. The Lord asked me to stay with this guy that has dead animals. I see the sheet. He tells me to do it. And now I'm at, look at me, look at me. I'm Peter. I'm, I'm actually in a guy's house. Who's a Gentile? I would never do that. And why am I here? I'm here because God gave him a vision to send for me, and all I did was obey, and I'm standing here. Now, that's where, I, that's where I hit the pause button. See, it says, then Peter opened his mouth, and the first words out of his mouth is, in truth, I perceive I perceive that God shows no partiality. This was big news to Peter. In truth, I have just figured it out that God doesn't like the Jews only. That God cares about everybody. In truth, I perceive that God doesn't show partiality. Pers- How does it say? It again? Of truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. All his life, he thought it was just about the Jews. And finally, the light bulb went on in his mind. And that's the first thing he says in verse 34. He's kind of making a confession in verse 34. Look at 35. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Directly, what Peter is talking about is Cornelius here. So he's down in Caesarea. He's from Italy. He, he is known to be a, a guy, Cornelius was, that feared God, and he's known to be a guy... Of works of righteousness, of giving of alms, and he says, I have figured it out that um, Cornelius is acceptable to God. This was big, big news to someone like Peter, because Peter was a Jew, and Peter never dreamt that that's the way it was before. It was stunning for uh, Peter to learn this. So Peter began to teach about Christ and while he was teaching towards the end of the actually at the end of the chapter it says the holy spirit fell on everybody that was in Cornelius's house and they all were filled with the holy spirit and, and 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 not only was Peter if you want to put something on the board there Dave I'm thinking about verses 44 through 48 they can it can be looked at while I'm talking and and so Peter's preaching and and the holy spirit falls on everybody and it says those of the circumcision, probably in in the New American Standard, if it ends up there, it, it says the Jews. But they, it literally is those of the circumcision. That's called the Jews. Uh, those are what the Jews were called, I should say. Were amazed because the Holy Spirit of God fell upon non-Jews. I mean, I can't. I, I hope you're getting it that they were stunned that the the people who weren't Jews could be. Saved could be loved by God, could be embraced by God. This was big, big news. They thought at first that it would just be Jews that would be saved. Uh, Philip went to Samaria, and the same. Remember the lady at the well. Well, how is it you're talking to me, Jesus, and Simon, Samaritan? Well, Philip went to Samaria, and a revival happened, and they were amazed that the people who were half Jewish could even be saved. And now here's Peter at a full-blown Gentile guy's house, and the Spirit of God fell on them and they were amazed again that he would even love the Gentiles. This is going to be our observation for today. This is what the sermon's about today. God is interested in people that we don't expect him to be interested in. God is interested in people that we don't expect him to be interested in. I want you to think way back, and I don't want to make a big Old Testament lesson out of this, but I just want to remind you of something. I want you to think way back to Abraham in Genesis 12 and verse 3. Would you put that up, Dave, Genesis 12, 3? Uh, I can race you there. i bet you beat me. Re- Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. Abraham, you know, there was no Jews before Abraham. It was just like people. And Abraham was called by God, and uh, he was made certain promises. He said, Abraham, this is what I need you to do, X, Y, Z. And he's beginning to cre- create a people of God. By the way, a people that he would show special favor to, the Jews. Okay? If you've got a problem with that, you take it up with the Lord. It's just a fact of the matter. God did choose the Jews through Abraham. But I want you to see, this is part of the Abrahamic covenant, part of the calling of Abraham. It's important that you understand this. this is way back in Genesis. Think first book of the Bible. And I, God said, I will bless them that bless you. Talking to Abraham. And I will curse him that curses you. And in you shall, and this is the part I want you to get. All families. Your Bible might say all the nations. All the families of the earth should be blessed. From before the moment he called a special people to himself, the Jews, he already knew, this is God, already knew in his heart that he was calling all nations to himself. Our observation today God's interested in people we don't expect him to be. Throughout the Old Testament, we think, well, God was just interested in the Jews. Not true. Not true. I could think of dozens of examples. I could tell you in Psalms where you could go look. I could tell you in Isaiah where you could go look. I could tell you in Jeremiah where you could go look, where God says, I'm calling out to the nations. I'm calling out to the nations. Uh, But I want to camp somewhere for about three minutes, and I I want you to think about probably the most familiar story from the Old Testament that will exemplify this, and that is God called Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah and the whale? Fish, big fish. Could have been a whale. And uh, think about Jonah for a minute. You know, Jonah, go to those people in Nineveh. By the way, get this. A Gentile nation. This is the capital of a Gentile nation. Like Washington, D.C. kind of place. Go to Nineveh. Preach to them and tell them that unless they repent, I'm going to destroy them. But implied in that is, if they repent, I will forgive them. Jonah's a Jew. Jonah says, I'm not going. Jonah heads the other way. The storm comes. The ship almost sinks. They throw him overboard. He gets eaten by that fish. He feels really sorry for himself. Prays a few days in the belly of the fish. Fish spits him up. He says, fine, okay, I'll go. Like I should have gone at the beginning, I'll go now. And he goes and he preaches. And the king responds. He says, y'all need to respond. Even your animals need to respond. Everybody respond. This is a great message. What would you imagine Jonah's reaction would be? You'd imagine Jonah's reaction would be, go God, go Nineveh. Look at this. A big revival happened in Nineveh. Jonah went out angry. And in the beginning of chapter four, we see into Jonah's heart, the Jew Jonah, his heart. He said, was it not for this? After they got, got, I'll call it, got saved. After they all got saved and repented and all that stuff, and God, they found favor with God. Jonah bellyached and said, Was this not the reason that I fled to Tarshish? Was not this the reason that I went? And I, I knew, oh God, you were a God that was uh, rich in mercy and, 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 and long in patience, and I knew that you'd end up loving them, and I knew they'd end up getting my word saved. And I'm so upset about that God. Because the Jews didn't think that God cared about other people. I was Jonah twice this week. I was in Lowe's on Wednesday. This uh, girl in her early 20s with half a shirt on, LSU Tiger shirt, kid in the buggy. She wasn't caring for him like I thought a young mother should care for a kid. All kinds of uh, artwork, belly button rings. I don't know the vogue words. for. There's probably special words for that kind of stuff and different other things hanging off her. And I was Jonah this week when I was waiting at the paint counter and she was waiting at the paint counter. In my heart, to be real honest with you, I didn't care about that girl. I thought she was a, a mess. I, I, I would have gotten it right on a test. If you had stopped me and said, does God love that I would have said, yes, of course God loves that girl. But in my heart, I was Jonah towards her. Yeah, I felt like her outward signs were screaming to me, you know, I'm pathetic. And so I was processing her as a pathetic human being. The way she was not watching her kid right. The way she carried herself. Why was she dressed like that? I was judging her bad. I was Jonah to her. On Friday, I went to the barber shop to get my ears lowered, of course, and uh, the normal Barber people were busy and there were a few guys and I'm like you probably. I don't really like waiting, but you know, I've learned to be a wait to wait. This last year's been good for me, teaching me patience. So I sat down and out from the back room, oh, I was Jonah again in the barber shop. Out from the back room came this kid, long haired I don't know if it's dreads or just all jaggedy hairdo, out of the baseball cap going backwards with tattoos up and down the neck and coming out the arms. <coughs> I said, wow, he was in the back room. wonder what he was doing in the back room. And then I noticed he had the little black barber coat on. And he looked at me and he said, you waiting for someone special? I said, no. But as soon as I said no, I wished I said yes, because I knew what that meant. He said, tap, tap. I'm like, good Lord. I I don't want this guy to touch me. He's a mess. And I was Jonah to that guy. And I'm, I'm judging him, and I'm thinking. Why would a kid your age, about 25, 30 years old, why would a kid your age not be like me? And so uh, some small talk. He asked me if I was from around here. We talked a little bit. I still didn't really have much to say to him. And and I'm going to mention some things that might betray his identity to some of you. And if I do, Well, whatever, the end of the story, I'll redeem myself, so, whatever. No, I'm not from around here. You from around here? Yeah, Pensacola, born in Pensacola, raised in Holt. And then the reason I went back to that barbershop was because that's where the gal that doesn't work there anymore, who I hoped would have, she's from Holt, her name's Nina. And uh, when I used to go get my haircut cut there, um, we'd talk about the Lord a little bit when she's chopping my hair. And um, first few times, she would say, would you pray for my son? I said, really, what's up with your son? Told me, trouble the law, in and out of jail, got kids, not married. And uh, just broke her mother, just broke her heart. Her maternal heart was busted. I said, of course, I'll join you in prayer. He went up to that Exodus program. I I never visited it. It's on the north side of town somewhere. Prayed with her heart about that because that would be a good chance for him to get straightened out. And uh, this was a year and a half ago. I was praying hard for this kid with Nina Might have been one of the only guys joining Nina in prayer. She wasn't like a big part of an active church. It was just, I don't think I was the only one praying with her. But, you know, it was important to me that this lady's kid would turn the corner. So I'm sitting there being Jonah to this kid, and he's telling me, you know, I'm from Holt. And the Holy Spirit dropped a bomb on me and said, this is Nina's son. Nina's son is cutting your hair. And I said to him, are you Nina's a son? He said, yes, sir, I am. I said, I have spent many, many, many uh, amounts of time praying for you. How are you doing? He said, thank you, sir. I'm doing much better now. And in my heart, remember that verse I said, I perceive, and then Peter opened his mouth, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. I hit me. I perceive that you know I didn't tell him this that though you are still a hot mess, you know you still got the tattoos all going and the, you know you haven't changed your look. This is the kid I've been praying for, you know, for many months praying for him. So uh, I didn't mind as much he was touching me. I will say, though, that normally these days, guys know what I'm talking about. The ladies might not so much. Used to be at the end of a haircut the, uh, the uh, barber took out one of these guys. You know what I'm talking about when I say these guys? That's kind of gone away. They don't do that so much anymore. But uh, this young man with the tattoos all down his neck and took this out. I said, oh, Lord, you are testing me. <laughs> he said, just relax. I said, okay. And it was just this kid with all the tattoos that I knew had been in jail more more than had been out in the last 10 years. Took that straight razor, cut the edge down. I felt them going near my jugular. <laughs> I said, Lord... Please help him don't sense how prejudiced I was against him, you know. And, uh, But literally my life was, you know, in his hands there for a second uh, while he was doing that. And I was thankful that the Lord had him do that because it took a great deal of discipline for me to just, even though I'd already realized I was Jonah and realized that, you know, I perceived that God is uh, no respecter of persons, uh, it was an important thing for me to go through. You know, there's a ministry called Young Life. Young Life, uh, notably, is to kids in uh, high school and stuff. One of the things about Young Life is that it goes out of its way to find kids that are maybe already smoking, maybe already drinking, maybe already doing pot, maybe already snorting coke or whatever you do with coke, uh, uh, sexually active. And they go out of their way to invite them in to come in and they tolerate their presence. Young Life is so good at that that in a lot of churches where everybody uh, knows how to dress and knows how to talk and knows how to do they won't let their those families won't even let their kids go to Young Life Bible studies and stuff cuz you know the parents would say I don't want my kids being in the room with those kinds of kids. And when challenged about it, young life leaders say, that's the very people that we believe God's interested in. We're absolutely going to continue to uh, go out of our way to find those outcast kids. I was reading a book this week. And... uh, I read about a pastor who had the opposite attitude of any other pastor, present Company included. Uh, And and he challenged my heart. I was reading the story and he says, I love it when I visit the church on Monday and I walk through the parking lot and it's littered with cigarette butts. He said, I love it. I just pick them up, throw them away. He said, I understand a lot of pastors mind that. He said, I just want to hit the pause button here for a second. You're not listening to a pastor this morning that thinks people that smoke are going to hell, okay? I wish that you didn't. I don't think it's good for you. Uh, you know, uh, driving 100 miles an hour isn't good for you either. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. It's kind of a waste of money, and it's, and it's not good for your body. And that's where it stops for me. I think that you're going to be surprised who's in heaven, and I think you're also going to be surprised at who's in hell. Okay, and I don't think that the Geiger counter starts and stops with whether you smoke or not. But for the for the sake of this example, I'm just using it as sort of a you know cliche almost. He says he loves to go out there because these are the very people. He said, "I'm honored that people would be coming to our church and hearing the gospel, uh, who realize that." Um, despite their behaviors, despite what they're doing, despite, you know, that, that I, and these are my words, not his, that he's not being a Jonah to them. People are not interested in you being a Jonah to them. It's a big, bad turnoff to be a, a, a Jonah to people. So this week, uh, I read that guy. He was thrilled, he said in the book, he was thrilled to find his church parking lot littered with cigarette butts. Right there, I have to say again, Jonah. Now that I've read that and I understand it, I'm cool with it, and it would be okay with me, too. I mean, I'd rather not have to go through the exercise of picking him up, but whatever. uh, At first, bless him, Jonah. When God chose Peter, he did so wisely to go to this guy's house. He had already, remember, and I'm closing. uh, Remember when uh, 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 Peter showed out to the other disciples uh, Jesus was teaching him, he says, the bad stuff's coming, talking about his crucifixion, bad stuff's coming, you're all going to turn your back on me. And Peter said, whoa, everybody else might turn their back, but I'm never going to turn my back. Um, you and I, Jesus, we're like this, and I'm in a, even if I get killed, whatever, uh, we're, we're inseparable. I, I would never turn my back on you. And, and Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter didn't believe it. And you know, we know the story that that he's out there by the fire. Hey, you're one of them. No, I'm not. You're one of them. A second time, you're one of them. I swear, I'm not one of them. You're one of them. I can tell by your accent. Look, I am not one of them. Cock-a-doodle-doo. And then one of the uh, Gospels says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Peter looked at Jesus. Oh. I was so big with my mouth and, you know, I said I would be willing to die and I couldn't even admit that I'm going you know, he blew it. After Jesus was crucified, after he came back to earth a little while and hanging out with the guys, one time he met the disciples on the beach and he just walked straight up to Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Asked him a second time, same answer. Third time, same answer. Peter... Jesus knew that Peter had in his heart this guilty complex, or this this sense of, I blew it with Jesus. And so right now, the Lord needed to ask somebody to go break this new ice and bring the gospel to the Gentiles. He knew what he was doing when he asked Peter. Peter had already blown it big time, and uh, he figured that Peter would be willing to go and obey. Little baby step, stay at this guy's house with the dead animals. Okay, I'll obey. Now go to this guy's house and preach. Okay, I'll obey. You see, Peter wasn't Jonah. Peter didn't shy away. Peter didn't run for it. Peter came to the sense, back there in verse 34, he opened his mouth, and truth, I finally get it, that God shows no partiality. And this is our um, observation today. God is interested in people that would surprise you. I was Jonah to that little girl in the L- half an LSU shirt. Can I tell you, God was very interested in that girl. I should have never dissed her in my mind. God was very interested and has been doing great work in the barber guy with the tattoos down his necks and his arms and stuff. I was Jonah to him. God is interested in people that would surprise you. He's interested in everybody. See, so I wonder about you, and I wonder about me. Am I more like Jonah, or am I more like Peter? So I guess that's a question I want to leave us with this morning, Um, and I just want to I want to guess that until you pay attention to it, you're a little like me and you're more like Jonah. And I guess what I want to do is I want to have the goal out there of Peter. And I guess I want to ask us to move towards a Jonah mentality, towards a Peter mentality, where we will obey and we will say, Lord, you know, I might not get it. The way that person dresses or looks or smells turns me off. But you're interested in that person. And uh, please, Lord, don't let my behavior. I know I said I'm closing. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm tying the knot right now with this thought. I don't know whether you believe this or not, but I really believe it. Even though I never got closer than from here to that pulpit, from that LSU girl, she knew how I felt. didn't mean to broadcast my feelings. I didn't go any of that, like, really loud. But I guarantee you she got the vibe that a guy like me was totally turned off by whatever she was trying. Think about the poor kid. She was trying to make herself more appealing, Okay, Get to the level, half a shirt. Why? Trying to be attractive. The belly button hoops and buttons. Why? Trying to draw attention. Other little things she had going, trying to get, and she sensed from me that that's not working. Well, it is working. It's doing opposite. My closing thought is this. I'm asking you to be more like Peter, less like Jonah, and I want you to understand I even think, and I'm a little embarrassed about it, and I suppose if I develop a relationship with a guy, we'll have to talk about it. I think when I was sitting in that guy's chair, he knew that I was not impressed. You know, that I was Jonah to him. He understood. Jonah preached the message to those people under duress. He was not like hoping that God would save. Indeed, his 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 motives were panned out in chapter 4, where he said, I knew it, I knew you were going to say them, and I'm so disgusted about it. Reread chapter 4. It's really a sad indictment against Jonah's motives. Um, So my closing, closing thought is that it's got to be more than just a, uh, you've got to really let it get into your DNA that you have compassion for these people. I wish that when I saw that girl, to do it over again. I want my spirit to be that when I see the LSU girl with half a shirt, that my heart breaks, that pity flows, that I understand, and I I don't want to, like, cheat her condescendingly, but that I understand that God loves her, and she's so desperate for probably a father's love, for the love of a man. She's so desperate for that. Might have been the most desperate person I met all that day for the love of a man, and what she got from me was disdain. What she got from me was you pitiful kid. Such a Jonah I was. I, I'm so upset with myself. I've told the Lord and I have talked about it, and I, and I've apologized. I don't want to be that way. Sometimes we're that the way we don't want to be. But um, I, I, and she sensed from me, that. I didn't like or approve. I had no use for her. And uh, that's very, very unfortunate. I may never meet the kid again. I I, I don't even know what my behavior should be. I'm certainly not going to go give her a big hug. I don't know what I should do, Okay, I don't know. But I know I shouldn't hate her, and I don't even know her. I shouldn't be a hater. So that's where I'm going to start, Okay, okay. I think I'm making the point. I don't mean to drone on and on about it. Um, Let's pray. But the, 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 the uh, capsule of today's message is uh, God's interested in people that we don't expect him to be and that we should do well to be more like Peter and less like Jonah. Let's pray. Father God, I, I repent again for my wrongful attitudes towards those people. Sorry. And I pray, O God, that I would be more sensitive to your spirit like Peter was, willing to even go where every ounce of his tradition said he should never go. Help me to love other people. Help me, O God, to see people through your eyes. Help me to be less like Jonah, more like Peter. Help us all toward that end, I pray. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.